Amen. If you have your Bibles, you can open up to Acts chapter 2. The practice of believers coming to church is a sacrifice. I know it is. I know when I didn't want to go to church, but I knew I had to, it was a sacrifice. There's other things you could do on a Sunday. There's other things that you can be involved in. You could be roaming around, church hopping or whatever. But sacrifice is sacrifice. And yet the Word of God tells us in Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, For I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. So God is honored and pleased that you're here today because you're honoring God by your presence. Church is not only a noun as a place where we come together, it's an action. We do church when we come together. And it's sad lately that churches are trying to build kingdoms under themselves by trying to satisfy the selfish needs of the people. It's not about us trying to satisfy you. It's us coming and satisfying ourselves to God, worshiping God. Amen? Shortest services, music that entertains rather than encourage people to worship an environment that's trying to compete with the world. I remember when I was in the business world that we'd always like to travel around to the Burger Kings and the McDonald's and those people that had a lot of money to be able to see what if they're putting their finger on the pulse of what people want. Have you noticed how much even McDonald's has changed? Nobody wants to stand in line, so they got the super-duper, super-fast line. I haven't been in the new ones, but I understand you just punch in on the kiosk, right, and they bring the food to your table. Hallelujah. I know what I'm like, and I very rarely go through the line anymore, but every now and then, I got to have a burger. And so I get in line, and I go, Mama Mia, what is going on up there? They, uh, what are they doing inside of there? I'm waiting and waiting. I'm three cars in line, and our flesh just wants to be satisfied. But that's not the case of the church. The flesh will be touched and healed by the presence of God, but we're here to sacrifice and honor God. And it may not be comfortable for the flesh. So... I don't want to be like the church at Ephesus where the Spirit of God says to them, to John the prophet, in a letter to the church, he says, I know your works, I know your labor of love, but I have something against you. You've left your first love. Say this, it's all about Jesus. I don't want to be like the church at Laodicea, whom the Lord said, I know your works, that you're neither hot nor cold. I would rather have you hot or cold, but because you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. You think you're rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, but don't you know you are wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked? You know, when we lose our dependence upon God, we're losing it. We're, we're walking away from what the Spirit of God wants to do. When you come to church, and every one of your individuals so specifically made by God, but when we come together, we form the body of Christ. And when all the churches are coming together, we're forming the body of Christ. But God has always had the local body, whether it was a synagogue, whether, uh, whether it was a church. We come together as Christians. And in that power, in that coming together, we come together in power. We need a church, be a church that recognizes that we are nothing without the Lord. Nothing without his guidance, his provision, and a direction of the Holy Spirit. I thank God for air conditioning. I thank God for heating. I thank God for lights. I thank God for music. I thank God for coffee. But you know what? Jesus had none of those. Jesus and the apostles had none of those things. 
And they won millions over time to the Lord Jesus Christ because when we come in, thank God for all these things, but we come in to emphasize that we love Jesus. We're expecting great things every time we gather together. I guess if I could put into one word all I've been talking about in this vision message about coming together with one accord in one place, it's that word to gather or together. We changed the name of this church from House on the Rock Ministries several years ago to House on the Rock Family Church because we wanted to emphasize that we are a church that is a family seeking God. It doesn't mean if you're single, you're not welcome. It doesn't mean if you're divorced, you're not welcome. It means we're family. You come to this place and you become part of our family. We're desiring to be a community that's meeting with one accord in one place, giving God the opportunity to do great things. I've been teaching you that the one thing that's going to bring us into one accord is found in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 11 through 16. And I'd like to read that to you. I'm one-handed here, so I'm going to be a little bit slower. I'm used to having the headset on. I put on my glasses. They're good. Seems good. You guys here today? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 16. And God said in the church, if you read that earlier, that God gave unto the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, some say pastors slash teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints. Are you a saint? Raise your hand if you're a saint. If Jesus Christ is Lord of your life, you're a saint. For the perfecting of the saints, that means the maturing of the saints. For the work of the ministry, you're being matured for the work of the ministry. For the edifying of the body of Christ, that we all come, the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, listen to this, that we henceforth be no more taught where children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness whereby they lay in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up unto him in all things which is ahead, even Christ. Eight things that the preaching and the teaching of the word of God is to accomplish in the church. This is the thing that brings us into unity. It won't be music. It won't even be prayer. It won't even be whatever we do to bring us into unity. It's going to be the preaching and the teaching of the Word of God. Why? Because I didn't agree in everything I heard. I didn't understand a lot of things in the Bible. But when I finally set myself in a church under the headship of a pastor who taught me the uncompromised Word of God, all my fallacies, all my misconceptions about God got clarified. Everybody was being brought into one union under the truth. So eight things that will take place when we teach and preach the Word of God. One is to prepare God's Word God's people, I should say, for the work of the ministry. You're being prepared for the work of the ministry. Oh, no, I have to go to India, or I have to go to Africa, or I have to do this and do that. No, the work of the ministry is you serving other people. When you come to church, we come as servants to serve God, but to serve others. We use and exercise our God-given gifts that God has given to us to benefit the church. Number two is to establish and build up the church. We preach and teach the Word of God. The second part of our vision is that we establish you as a believer. You'll know who God really is. You know his promises. You know that he loves us. And it builds us up and edifies us. 
Number three, to come into the unity of the faith. We're not teaching here and there. I don't mind Christian TV, but sometimes I'll turn something on and I'll hear one thing said by one guy. He interprets the scripture one way, and then I look at another guy and he interprets the scripture another way. You know what? I need to sit somewhere where God has given me a pastor, a teacher, that's going to teach me the word of God. Now, there's nothing wrong with reading books or listening to other people, but you need to get knowledge of the word of God so you're not being fooled by what someone says versus what the word of God says. We come into the unity of the faith. Four, to come into the full knowledge of Jesus Christ and the truth. Isn't that the word, the will of God? That all men should be saved and come into the knowledge of the truth. When you were born as a baby, you didn't know how to eat. You didn't know how to use the bathroom. You didn't know how to do certain things. You had to be trained as you grew up. It's the same thing. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you're like a little baby. You're like a little baby bird in that nest that's sitting there with its mouth open saying, feed me. When you get born again, the Spirit of God comes to abide within you. And the Bible tells me that that Spirit of God within you is constantly crying out, Abba, Father. You want to know your daddy. You want to know your creator. I honestly believe when a person receives Jesus as Lord and Savior, they have to fight the urge to go to church. They can eventually beat it off so you become numb. You have to fight the urge to read your Bible. You have to fight the urge to get on your knees and pray to God and thank him for all that he's given you. You've got to fight that. i got news for you. Don't fight it because it's the Spirit of God crying, I want to know my daddy. I want to know my creator. Number five, that we come into maturity, that we grow up. Number six, that we're no longer children, tossed about with every wind of doctrine. It upsets me when a new church opens up or new doctrine happens, and all the weak Christians go running over there. Ooh, new circus in town. Ooh, new circus in town. Oh, did you hear this? And did you hear oh, it's, oh, it's great. It's wonderful. Flesh-pleasing. Flesh-pleasing. you got to know that you know that you know it's God that's leading me. And you know because when you come to a church and you sit under a pastor, and I'm not promoting me. I'm telling you what the Word of God says. You'll know I'm home. Every one of you had a mother and a father. Maybe some of you don't know who they were, but you all were born to parents. And in my family, my father was my father. I couldn't change that. And sometimes I didn't like my father. But guess what? He was still my father. I don't know if I remember as a little boy packing my little knapsack, and I'm running away. I don't remember ever doing it. If I did, uh, my dad had a strap. I wouldn't be running away too long. But when you come into a house where you know where you belong, and the spirit, you'll know inside that I'm hearing what I need to hear. Trust me, there will come a time when you're going to hear something you don't want to hear. This is that example of my dad took the training wheels off my bike. I was doing pretty good with training wheels. I kind of kept up with my brothers, but not really. They had to come off, and my, God, my father knew that was for my best. The same way when I had to learn to drive, I didn't get to use the good car. I got to use the junker. 
my father knew better when I was practicing parking and knocked over all the garbage cans that we had set up in the park. And I wondered where all the green paint came from on the car till I saw the green paint off the garbage cans. Thank God I listened. Because sometimes you're going to hear something from this pulpit you don't like. Or somebody's going to say something to you. Listen, it's the role of the enemy to get you out of here. He'll entice you. Stay where you're planted. Stay where you belong. Don't be tossed about by things. Number seven, we are not led away by men who use deceit to deceive us to join them. And number eight, that was seven, uh, we will all grow up and do our part together to strengthen and edify one another. We will also see the desire of God that we come, not only come together, but we come together in one accord into one place. One place. This is the guy I told you that used to, I don't need to go to church. I go out in the woods and I can worship God in the cathedral of the forest. The squirrels didn't offend me. The deer didn't offend me. It was comfortable. But then when I realized I had to go to church, I realized why. It's easy to be kind to people who are kind to you. But it's very difficult to be kind to people who are not kind to you. And the church is made up of all kinds of people. And aren't you glad, whether you want to admit it or not, they're not all like you? Because you would get on your nerves. I like to refer to the church as community. The dictionary defines community as any group living in the same area or having interests, common interests, work, or et cetera, in common. And I also like to refer to community as a place where you come to join yourself to others who will welcome you, validate you, encourage you, serve you, love you, and then you, in turn, do the same to other people. Amen? That's what community is all about. Community is rare in our society today. Do you know that? There's very few places where you can come together in unity. And others have tried to fill the void with, unfortunately, selfish means and for profit by means of social media. Now, social media, I know I get on that a lot, but there's some bad things to that, and there's some good things to it. But social media, so being social, listen, is defined as living together with companionship and for the each other's welfare. To be sociable means to be friendly, gregarious, com, uh, character by, characterized by informal communication and companionship. Gentleman that used to be here 17 years, he worked for us, uh, was Warren Fisher. And he studied, he was a great, great counselor, and he told me that communication to be effective involves two very important things body language, and tone of voice. Now, I didn't bring my cell phone with me, but when I get a text message, I honestly don't know what their tone of voice is. It could be, how are you doing today? Or how are you doing today? <laughs> and there's no body language there. And I know they've tried. They put these little faces in there. What do they call those things? Yeah. But you can lie about that. You can put a happy face, and in the meantime, you're really mad. So community involves social, being social with one another, and that's the purpose of the church because we can read body language. We can hear tone of voice, and if you're gifted, and I, most pastors have this gift, you can really sense the attitude of their heart. 
And the cool thing about that is somebody could be talking to you and everything's okay. And you don't know that on Facebook. You don't know that on social media. But when you come face to face with that person, especially in the church, the Spirit of God could move upon you and the Spirit of God could say to you, they are really hurting. And they could use a hug. Or they could use somebody to talk to. And that's what church is all about. You don't get to do that too many places. So church is essential to every believer. To be of any value in a church, we have to learn to communicate, to be social, to be friendly. I understand when you come for the first time, you're kind of trying to find out where everybody's coming from. I understand that. But it's where you come to belong and to become all that God has called you to be. Because each of us have a gift within us that promote maturity in each other. You know, iron sharpeneth iron. Sometimes you have somebody that's like sandpaper to you. But you know what the purpose of sandpaper is? To smooth out the rough edges. So you may have somebody that rubs you the wrong way, but they're smoothing out some of your rough edges, and God's trying to show you you're really not walking in kindness and love. Church is a selfless, sacrificial gathering with each other as believers. Because the church was designed to be under spiritual leadership, called pastor or whatever, ordained by God to feed and care for the flock, assigned to him by God in a specific area. And the church, to be a true church, must also provide the need of its members. We learned last week that if we're going to be in one accord, we must possess the following characteristics which are emphasized by the Word of God. One is faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's the action or carrying out of our faith. We're trustworthy. We keep our word. You know my pet peeve, you sign up for something, and then you don't show up. You know what that's called? Lying. This is the opposite of the Greek word planio, which means to roam about, to go astray, to seduce, to wander, and be out of the way. You're on your own. To be of one accord, we must possess the quality of loyalty. To be loyal means to be faithful to a leader or a cause. To possess loyalty, you possess a quality that I love called fidelity. It means faithful devotion to duty. If there's anything I've learned, again, I'll probably be done with this message, if not this week, next week, and then we're not going to talk about it anymore. But this is what the Spirit of God is emphasizing for 2018. Faithfulness, loyalty. How do you prove your faithfulness and loyalty to God? By your faithfulness and loyalty to your church. It's what he's ordained. Amen. Three people agree. We got an amen meter So, you know, if you're not saying amen, we know where you're going there. <laughs> That's pretty good, an amen meter <laughs> To be of one accord, we must also exhibit allegiance. Never saw that word in the Bible until I read you this scripture in the Amplified Bible, Proverbs 24, 21, and 22. My son, reverently fear the Lord and the king, or the leader, and do not associate with those who are given the change of allegiance and are revolutionary. For their calamity shall rise suddenly, and who knows the punishment ruin which both the Lord and the king will bring upon the rebellious. Allegiance. It's very, very important. And Hebrews 13, 17, which I read one time, didn't like it, but it's the truth. Obey your spiritual leaders. Submit to them, continually recognizing their authority over you, 
for they are constantly keeping watch over your souls and guarding your spiritual welfare as men who will have to render an account of their trust. Do your, listen to this part, do your part to let them do this with gladness, for that would not be profitable for you either. And a hush fell over the crowd. You can't have multiple agencies. Either it's God and whom God sets as a spiritual leader. If we are a church that gathers together with one accord in one place, what can we expect? Whew, glory to God. You ready? Are you in the book of Acts? We can expect to see the same results that they saw in the book of Acts. When they came together with one accord in one place. The first thing that happened was when Jesus, after being with them for 40 days after he rose from the dead, told them, I want you to go to Jerusalem. Now, that's a sacrifice because these were criminals. So to go back to Jerusalem, I tell you, I guarantee you, they wanted to get out of town as quick as possible because they were rounding up all of Jesus' followers. Remember when Peter was outside the courtyard when Jesus was being tried and the, and the little girl said, hey, you're one of them. No, I'm not. Why did he deny? Because he knew his life was on the line because they would have probably crucified him too. It was a sacrifice for them to stay in Jerusalem. And not only that, they were to stay there to wait for something that they didn't quite understand. He said, I'm going to send you my Holy Spirit and you will be endued with power. And you will become my witnesses. Well, I thought we already were. So they went in this upper room and they waited, hiding out. They got bored, so they had a little board meeting. And they found Judas's replacement. I don't know if I agree with what they did because Paul seems to be the one to replace Judas. I don't know. So they had a meeting. And we think, based on their business meeting earlier, that there were 120 people in that upper room. The cool thing about it was they were there for one purpose, they were there with one accord, and they were there in one place, and they were waited, and they waited, and they waited, 10 whole days. I'll be honest with you, I thought it was like weeks and weeks and weeks, 10 days they waited, and because I believe they were praying, and I believe they were there with anticipation. I believe they were there with an expectancy, believing what Jesus told them. They, had, they were together in one faith, one accord, one place. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, as you read in your word, the Holy Spirit blew in the town. And all 120 of them were baptized. They were believers, but they were baptized with the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit. To show them that something had changed, something that looked like flames of fire over their heads were there. They knew something had happened. And from that day forward, those people were never the same. But they made sure that they came together regularly with one accord in one place. And if you look over in Acts chapter 2, In verse 42, this is what they did. 
And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine, they're being taught, and fellowship, and in breaking of bread and in prayers. And fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles, and all that believed were together and had all things in common. They sold their possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. And they continued daily with one accord where? Where? In the temple. Because that's, that's the only place they knew had God ordained, la- the last place that God ordained for them to meet until the church was formed. The temple. Breaking bread from house to house, that's fellowship, and they'd eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. No division. Praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen, and the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. What the heck did they do? We had an outstanding music ministry, outstanding coffee cart. We had, we had uh, super padded seats. We, we served refreshments during the, 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 uh, 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 the service. We dare not ask you for money, so we threw buckets out there, and hopefully you gave. That's not what they did. They worshiped together. They prayed together. They were singleness of mind. They were selfless. Because if you had a need, and I had more than what I need, I give you what I have in abundance to you. Amen. They practiced community. And it resulted in God adding to the church. I, I think, where's Fran? I think we, we went to a church like that. Because I remember when our church, when I left the church, 10,000 in attendance on a Sunday. Um, somebody called me up because I was administrator, and they said, what are you guys doing to grow? Because everybody wants a copy, everybody else. And you know what I told them? I haven't the slightest idea. We have a tiger by the tail. People are coming from all over the place, being saved and being baptized in the Holy Ghost, and we're just enjoying it. It was probably, I thank God, it wasn't published in Charisma Magazine or well-known, people knew within the community and people knew throughout the world that something was happening at this church. That will happen here in Jesus' name, where people come out of the woodwork because they said we were just driving by and we felt a pull or somebody told me or whatever, that's what's going to happen. What are we going to do? We're in one accord, one place, praising God, prayer, helping each other out. Well, God's going to send the people. Amen. Because a church together will provide for the help, will provide help for those in need physically, mentally, and spiritually. We mean physically. Well, in this church, we have this thing called needs and seeds. It's out there on the board. That's not for you to advertise your car being sold or you have a place to rent. We have to keep pulling those things off the board. It's not about you. We're, we're, you're saying, I have an extra bed. I have an extra washer-dryer. I have a room that, that I would like to give somebody, not rent. And then on the other side, you see, and then the other side is a need because we're trying to help people by answering the need, physical needs. We have a thing called loaves and fishes. You need food, we've got it, and we give it to you. It's amazing how 
few people in our own church need it, praise God, but it seems like everybody outside wants to come and take advantage of it. Uh, I need money. What for? For gas. Where are you going? Home. That's funny. You were here two months ago. Didn't you go home? But we'll, we're not going to give you money, but we'll give you food. Well, I don't want food. I, it's amazing. What pe- they just want their, their – some people are legit, and, and I think we know that, but there's other people not. But we do offer loaves and fishes. We have benevolence. We have people who are faithful here, and maybe they come into a hard time and they can't pay their rent. Oh, boy, I'm going to hope I'm not advertising this too much or – Money, 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 money. Just, listen, we're a church. We, we, we're not a bank. That's what I felt like telling somebody. I went outside and said, is this house on a rock savings and loan? Well, we'll help you, our family, if you're in need. And then we have helping hands. And, and thank God, you know, you guys have done a great job at helping hands. When somebody can't uh, make their own food, we got a bunch of people that volunteer, and they make the meals, and they bring them to the house. That's what it's all about. That's what happens in your church. What about the mental need? Praise God, John Kobos is here, wherever he's at. He's sitting in the back. Every Sunday he's here, faithfully sitting in the back. They have freedom in Christ to help people with addiction. We just set up now, for those of you that said they want to get married here, we now have a premarital program. Praise God. Warren did that. He left. We have a great program. My wife and I went through it, and we're still together. Praise God. It's a series of, I think, what, 10 DVDs, but they're short ones, and they're really good. Listen, for me to sit and watch that many DVDs, uh, you know, my, my family's nickname for me is Jimmy Jump Up. They have me sit, uh, but I sat, and I'll tell you, it's really, really good. For those of you that premarital, maybe you just want to go through it, you, you, you could sit for two or three at a time. There's some questions with it. It will be absolute blessing to you before you get married. So, and if you want to get married, you've got to fill an application. Make sure you're a member here, and we'll tie the knot. And spiritually, that's why we preach and teach the Word of God. That's why we offer Bible school free. Where do you say free? We get prayer requests. We pray for you guys. We pray during worship. We pray for your healing, deliverance, and counsel. Spiritually, we're trying to build you guys up. These are things we have in common. This is community. We're having it starting up again. We've had them. We have them for a while because of the holiday, our post-service family fellowships. That's not just for you to come and eat. We want you to enjoy, but we want to get to know you. You need to get to know each other. But you should be surprised. Wow, I didn't know that person lived one block away from me. Or they came from the same town I came from. And they're right here sitting with you. That's why we have post-service fellowship. That's on the 11th of next month. We have young adults ministry. We have couples ministries. We have seniors for Christ. And the Spanish, seniors for Christ. No, uh, seniors for Christ. I'm sorry, I stopped putting these stupid jokes in. <laughs> men and women's fellowship. We had our men's breakfast. It was great. Women's fellowship breakfast is coming up. Luncheon coming up February 3rd. Uh, so we have all these ministries that we have that involve volunteers where you can get involved. And the, the thing we're doing or will do that promote community is we want to start the small groups again, connection ministries. There's a thing called the Moses Plan, a regional fellowships, where we have people that represent, that have been here a while, that represent an area. So if you can't get a hold of us, you call them up. So you have representatives. And then overall volunteer training that I'm going to oversee. 
to train the volunteers to learn about fidelity, faithful devotion to duty. We practice community when we come together. If we practice unity in worship and prayer, we'll experience the power of agreement. Wow, look out for that. That's good. Matthew 18, 19. I didn't write this book. Again, I say unto you that this is Jesus. If two of you shall agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask, it shall be done for them of my Father which is in heaven. We can create an atmosphere of faith. A group gathered together in one place together in one accord will create an atmosphere of anticipation and expectancy, which is the environment for miracles. How about you? Well, I've seen some miracles here. I'd like to see a few more. We can practice earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer, which we're doing and will continue to do, which will make tremendous power available, dynamic in its working, James 5.16. When a church prays in agreement, it will produce the supernatural intervention of God. That's why you may see me praying a little bit longer before service. If the Spirit of God says so, and it may shake people up, including me, the Spirit of God may say, I don't want to do any music today. I want everybody praying in agreement. I want to have prayer. Whatever God says, you know, we set the format. God, you know what? You can change anything you want. Things may change week to week. I don't know. But when a church prays in agreement, it will produce the supernatural intervention of God. Acts chapter 12. Listen to this story. Start at verse 1. About that time, Herod the king stretched forth his hands to vex certain of the church, and he killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. Because he saw it please the Jews, he proceeded to further take Peter also. And when he had apprehended him, he put him in the prison and delivered four quaternions of soldiers to keep him. That's a lot of soldiers. Intending after Easter to, yeah, Easter, look at that, to bring forth him to the people. Peter, therefore, was kept in the prison. He's in a prison. He has all these soldiers. He's in stock. has all these soldiers around him. But prayer, we say prayer, was made without ceasing for the church unto God for him. Ceasing of the church. The church did not cease praying. And when Herod would have brought him forth, the same night Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with chains, and the keepers before the door kept the prison. And behold, the angel, why? Because if they lose him, they die. That's the way it was. The soldiers lose the prisoner, they die. And behold, the angel of the Lord came unto him, and a light shined in the prison, and smote Peter on the side, raised him up, saying, Arise quickly. And his chains fell off from his hands, and the angel said unto him, Gird thyself, bind on thy sandals. And so he did, and he said unto him, Cast thy garment about thee, and follow me. And he went out and followed him, and didn't know where he was going. It was, he didn't know whether it was true or not. He thought he, has, he was having a vision. When they were past the first and second uh, ward, they came into the iron gate that laid under the city, which opened to them of his own accord. And they went out and passed on through one street, forthwith the angel departed from him. And when Peter was come to himself, <laughs> he said, Now I know of surety that the Lord has sent his angel and hath delivered me out of the hand of Herod and from all the expectation of the people of the Jews. When a prayer 
is lifted up and we pray in unity for a cause or a person, which you're going to do more of, we're going to start seeing some supernatural things happen. We've seen them happen already. The supernatural should be natural for the people of God. I don't know if you noticed in this area. Now, I was in the medical field, and I used to call on hospitals because I was a diagnostic representative. There are more hospitals concentrated in this area for its population, which you have one end of 33, the other end of 33. In fact, you have two. You've got a Pocono Medical Center. And you have, what, how many St. Luke's? How many Lehigh Valley? When I was growing up, you saw a lot of mom-and-pop delicatessens or something. Up here and everywhere are places where when you're sick, you just walk in. They're all over the place because they recognize we're a sick society. But you know what? The church is supposed to be a place of healing. And when, we, when the church starts to demonstrate that, well, I don't believe God heals everybody. Well, I don't, all I know is the Word of God tells me to lay hands upon the sick and they will recover. Jesus, whatever you said, whatever you bind on earth should be bound. Whatever you loose on earth should be loosed. The Bible tells me, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten him God afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities, and the chastisement, the punishment necessary for my peace was on him. What's peace? It's a lack of dis-ease. So the church needs to begin to pray together and believe like we've been doing. And come here expecting, I'm going to come and be healed. I'm going to come and be blessed. I'm coming to church not only to, to receive my healing, but be healing for other people. The people together with one accord in one place will produce an atmosphere of the end suddenlies. Woo, glory to God, and suddenlies. You ever read about those in history? Azusa Street? The Welsh Revival? The revival that took place in America? I was in a revival, and suddenly, what did we do? We just prayed, God, we want all that you want in this place. House in Iraq, we have intercessory prayer on Thursday nights. Pre-service prayer, before service. You hear a lot of yelling going on. That's them back in that room declaring the word of God. We have pre-service prayer. We have prayer for healing, deliverance, and counsel during worship. We also have our time of corporate prayer during services that you'll see more of. The church needs to be what our last year's vision message emphasized. I'm going to change a little bit. This is a place of refuge. This is a place of remedy, and this is a place of reformation. I don't know if I got that last one right or not, but that's what it is. People can be changed. In our gathering together with one accord in one place, we see people saved. We see people growing, grounded in the Word of God. We see people healed and delivered and given the opportunity to worship God by their faithful giving and by serving others in the church. Sum it up by saying this. Together is joining with others in one place with one accord. Family is belonging and accepting responsibilities as a family member. Community is doing your share to bless others 
in this family of believers. Then they'll see the results that they saw in the book of Acts. God, believe me, God is waiting for a people who believe in the supernatural intervention of God. So when we come here, I hope the music's great. I'm not picking on the music team, believe me. I led worship for a couple years. It's not about that. It's getting you focused with the music on why we're here. God. It's coming in unity of prayer, unity of the Word of God, so we can be a people that when you come here on Sundays, I don't care if there's 10,000 or 10 people, if we come in unity, God's going to do some great things. And He already has. He already has. There's been healings. There's been people saved. That's what it's all about. Amen? I may be done with this message, but listen to what the Lord is saying. Come together. Come together. I need you. I need you to come to this place with an expectancy. Anticipation of God going to do great things. We should come here saying, wow. We had cups made one time. It says, the great experience, right? No, the great adventure. Because that was a the theme for great adventure. You know, when you go to Disney World, you're not going, oh, here we go, we're going to Disney World. Another boring time at Disney World. And that's how people come to church. Some people think that God, and I did, people think that God's up there, you know, big chalkboard. Jim went to church today. Good boy, Jim. No, it don't work that way. We're coming to worship God. Amen? Every eye closed, every head bowed. Spirit of the living God, I thank you that you are loosed in this place. There are people here that have never understood salvation. They've been fooled into thinking that they have to be real good to make it to heaven. They have to earn points. Yet the Bible does say nothing about that. Jesus said, Jesus said, if we call on his name, if we believe in him, if we trust in him, we'll be saved. I thank you, Lord, for your Bible that tells us that we are saved by grace. It's a gift through faith. And that gift of grace is not of ourselves. It's a gift of God. And not of works, lest any man should boast. Jesus, Holy Spirit, Father, it's my prayer that if there are any people here today that do not understand this fact, you must receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. He went to a cross and died on your behalf. He took on your punishment. So all we would need to do is, Jesus, save me, and he would. To confess our sin and to repent, which means to change our mind, that we're not the ones earning our salvation. Jesus has done it for us. I must believe in him. He must be my Lord and Savior. I must depend on him. I must trust in him. I must commit my days to him. And just show my appreciation by going to church, by prayer, by giving, by reading the Bible. Not out of obligation, but appreciation. Lord, I pray if there's anyone here today that has never said, Jesus, save me. I am a sinner because the Bible says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. When we stand before the Father, and we all will. The one question is, what did we do with Jesus while we're here on this earth? Have you acknowledged him as the one who died for your sin? 
and that you're going to heaven because what he's done for you. And then your life on this earth is learning all about him, learning about the kingdom of God and trying to live the way God wants us to live. But we're saved by our faith in Jesus Christ. If you're here and you've said, Jesus, I'm a sinner, you've never said this, Jesus, I'm a sinner. I I thought I could earn my way to heaven by being good, but I'm not a good person. Well, welcome to the club. No one is. Are you willing to say right there in your seat, Jesus, forgive me of my sin. I receive you today as the Son of God, the one who died for my sin. I receive you as the one who saved me. Thank you, Jesus. So we're going to confess that right now. Because the Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lordship of Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. And, folks, salvation doesn't begin when you die. It begins the moment you ask Jesus to have mercy on you. The Bible says we're aliens in this world. When you make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life, you become a citizen of heaven here on this earth. And God wants to bless you and help you because we're going to face some tough things here. But he'll be with you. You'll never be alone again. So let's say this prayer together. We're all going to say it. Some of you are saying it for the first time. Let's say it. Father, I am a sinner. Your word says that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But today... Jesus, I confess, you are the Son of God. You went to the cross, and you bore my sin. The wrath of God that was reserved for me, he has poured on you. I am forgiven. My sins are cleansed because of you. This day, Jesus, I receive you as my Lord and my Savior. I will never be the same. You will never leave me nor forsake me. When I make a mistake, you will lift me up. I'll be quick to repent. But Jesus, this day, this Sunday, January 21st, I open my heart to you, and I receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. Today I'm saved, and I'm in the family of God. In Jesus' name.